here with Max Joe, otherwise known as Jojo Wu, uh, who was the former head of uh, mobile at Mobike, currently a co-founder at MetaApp. So uh, Max, thanks so much and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Before we uh, jump into your experience in the China tech scene, if we, we could, if you could maybe walk yourself a little through your educational background and how that sort of, um, you know, framed your uh, start in this, uh, in this world. Yeah, so uh, I spent my first 18 years in China, uh, f- uh, went to undergrad uh, in China until I uh, transferred over to Purdue uh, and finished my undergrad at Purdue and then uh, finished grad school at Yale uh, and, and then I uh, went over to work in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, spent three years in San Francisco and then um, at there, I was working at Uber until uh, a bunch of Uber people came over uh, to to work at uh, Chinese startups, and that's how I uh, joined Mobike. Sure. So maybe uh, if you could talk a little bit about your your decision to start uh, start studying in the West in the in the first place, what what drove you there? Uh, I think it's the best choice for uh, people who are interested in technology, uh, especially. Uh, Especially right now, when uh, when you look at all the uh, top tier CS programs, uh, they're they're all pretty much based in the U.S. Uh, and then and then obviously they're Silicon Valley. So uh, studying in the U.S. gives you an easy access to to a working visa and and starting your career in Silicon Valley. I didn't even imagine me. Uh, starting a company in China, but here I am. So, sure. So, um, so let's talk then about uh, the decision to to move back to China and what uh, and what prompted that. It's really the rapid growth of Chinese tech startups, and I was uh, uh, I, I I regularly come back to Beijing and visit. And uh, two years ago, there's no no really no bikes and I mean four years ago there's no Didi there's no uh, Uber in China but then everything started so quickly and uh, it just quickly uh, grew and became uh, billion dollar businesses so when I saw the opportunity at Mobike uh, I thought about it and I uh, I came back to talk to my former co-workers at Uber uh, and also the uh, CTO at Mobike and uh, his name is Joe, and Joe basically asked me, uh, do you want to come over and run this uh, this mobile apps team, uh, and we're spending a billion RMB this year through the app. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I looked at the uh, downloading ranking on App Store of that app. It's cur- uh, at the time, was um, ranking top three on the overall gross uh, download in all categories and I was so excited I was like wow this is a billion RMB and then this is a top downloaded app and we're spending so much to uh, really get this uh, phenomenon continuing and becoming a later stage 
uh, company. So that's that's why I chose to come back. Sure. So before we uh, dive into the details of bike sharing in in China, could you walk us through uh, the sort of Uber Mafia, which has seemed to had have had a a, a really remarkable run of uh, successes and 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 new startups? Um, but what it is what is it about this uh, this experience at Uber for a lot of Chinese nationals that you think has helped them? Um, you know, expand their horizons or, or think bigger. Uh, what really happened here is uh, Uber, uh, mostly Travis, he uh, brought over to China uh, his uh, whole entrepreneurial uh, spirit and management uh, style. Um, very famously, there's this uh, strategy of uh, deploying uh, bankers and consultants. Uh, as city managers to Uber's uh, each city, and there's like a, a three-person strike team on uh, each city, which proved to be really effective. What does that mean? Uh, so he basically hires three bankers uh, and to manage each city, uh, and uh, and all the other person are uh, interns and uh, con- contractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so highly effective, highly uh, disip- self-disciplined people. Uh, running a pretty large uh, business, uh, so basically divides uh, the whole business big pie into small slices and assign it to effective individuals. Uh, and this proved to be a pretty good strategy. And uh, the strategy managed to um, gather a lot of these uh, like-minded people over to Uber China. And so uh, when Uber got acquired later on by Didi. Uh, a lot of these people uh, stayed in the China, Chinese uh, tech startup scene, and they are like, um, they're really like outsiders before because they were bankers and consultants, but now they're uh, tech people, and this proved to be a, a better battleground for them. And that's what where, where you see uh, Davis Wang, he was uh, Uber Shanghai's general manager, he became the CEO of Mobike, and then uh, 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 Zhang Yanqi, he was uh, 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 original general manager at Uber's uh, Uber China, and he became the chief operating, operating officer at Ofo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's also a downside of uh, the Travis Kalanick uh, mindset. Obviously, he's no longer running yeah. Uber. So how do you think that sort of attitude plays in the, uh, in the Chinese market? Uh, well, I think his, uh, his whole... Uh, the feeling of Travis stays right, and and the uh, whole education he he gave to this market uh, proved to be invaluable. And especially people would argue, I would argue that Travis is better suited to be a Chinese startup founder <laughs> versus a Silicon Valley one because people will challenge his his uh, uh, what's it called um, his his uh, as in. His uh, moral moral standards, sure. kind of, and but that uh, that that's not a problem here in China. So yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and and if anything, uh, people wants to be learn from him to be fierce and and ruthless, 
and even get better at fierceness and ruthlessness. So maybe this is his next move is to is to show up here for uh, for whatever he's got he's got cooking up next. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's turn now to uh, the bike sharing industry. Yeah. So just to, for a background for all our listeners out there who maybe haven't been to China recently or haven't had these uh, bikes expand to your cities, you use your phone uh, to walk around and unlock uh, any bike or almost or bikes of these companies that are on the streets. And the idea being that these bikes are so prevalent, you can sort of walk 10 meters in any direction and you're going to find one that it makes not having a bike be worthwhile and people who would take cars or you know ride this ride the bus for an extra two stops end up doing bikes just because they're more convenient and they're always there um so uh, max why don't you start us off with um a bit of uh, how the industry has evolved over the past uh I don't know, what is it two years three years now yeah so at first uh this has this is this was just a uh, experiment sort of in chinese cities to see if bike sharing can work and if people are uh, people are uh, respectful enough to not steal these bikes at first, but later on, it like right now, uh, bikes in ch- uh, bike sharing in China has been became so big that uh, in a lot of cities, including Beijing and Shanghai, uh, bikes has become the number two. Uh, or shared bikes has become number two uh, transportation methods mm. uh, in terms of number of trips done every day. Uh, to give you some number, uh, in the entire Chinese market, uh, Mobike and Ofo combined are uh, doing around uh, uh, 30, 40 million trips per day, which is, uh, which is five times what Uber is doing globally. Wow. Yeah. So what does it take to build um, and improve the mobile app of Mobike and how has that evolved in particular? Uh, so uh, we were mostly using the mobile app uh, to, to be a tool for us to, to gain uh, popularity and to uh, do a lot of uh, peer-to-peer referral and uh, play a lot of these uh, operational games so that more people are interested in riding a mobile to get people on board. Uh, for example, we uh, created products like uh, Red Packet Bikes, which we put a bounty on uh, lesser frequently used bikes uh, so that when people uh, ride the bike uh, in, in, uh, in weird locations, they can get a little bit of money sure. for that. And so uh, this has proved to be very, very effective. Uh, and uh, the other thing, interestingly, is that uh, it's the launch of WeChat Mini program, uh, which which is a uh, very easy and uh, how do we call it, very quick kind of uh, format. Uh, people are using WeChat uh, to to ride a mobile and an Ofo uh, more and more. Sure. So, what what does that mean for the uh, for the business if people are going through WeChat as opposed to using the using the mobile app itself? Apparently, it's good, better for Tencent rather than for each each individual businesses. But if it's more convenient, users are going to choose the convenient method regardless of businesses' uh, priorities. Uh, so, uh, it really hinders mobile as mobile is trying to go into the taxi industry, the ride-sharing industry. And I recently uh, deployed uh, carpooling and also uh, limo cars 
on, on the mobile app, but uh, since 30, 40% of users are uh, writing a mobile app through WeChat, uh, it becomes a bigger and bigger problem over time. How so? Because Tencent can stop Mobike from using uh, this sort of feature within it? Uh, because WeChat mini program not really is not a uh, all-around kind of tool. It doesn't stay on your screen. Right? It only uh, opens on specific uh, scenarios. So when you scan the Mobike, it opens the uh, Mobike WeChat mini program. Mm -hmm. But then Mobike as a company wants you to have the app on your home screen so that when you're writing, when you're trying to write a limo, you still use the, the app, yeah. right? So WeChat limits the company's uh, imaginations or the capital market's imagination for the company. Sure, sure, that must have been. Um, and you know, WeChat, uh, WeChat mini programs showed up when you were working there, Yeah. right? Um, so this was, this was a, definitely an unexpected development on your part, you had to, uh, you had to navigate. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's it's been a very good at the other hand, which uh, which is WeChat Mini program managed to uh, uh, greatly broaden the uh, funnel for uh, new registrations. So people no longer need to uh, wait in, in the coldness and download a 40, 50 megabyte app and, and then do installation and registration, blah, blah, with WeChat. Uh, WeChat can uh, port over the uh, name and phone number and all the uh, payment methods uh, within within the mini program. Sure, things are a lot easier. So there's been some talk recently about uh, the deposits not necessarily being um, sealed off. Uh, do you have any sense of, of how that that's playing out internally, where the where the money's sitting? Uh, so it's always been uh, pretty much like a top secret and people can't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, from what I gathered, uh, apparently some of the deposit has to be, uh, is, is deployed uh, for, for operational and uh, bike manufacturing costs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it makes sense because uh, when, you, when you're sitting on a hundred, is it? Uh, it's actually ten billion RMB mm -hmm. uh, worth of deposits. Uh, then uh, it makes no sense to just leave it as a uh, bank deposit, right? So, sure. uh, as long as when when the storm comes, you still have some cushion, that's good enough. Sure. So, what do you think are the are the are the main risks to this uh, uh, to this to this model, particularly in China? Uh, well. I think it comes to the part when uh, does these companies uh, qualify as too big to fail? Mm -hmm. uh, if they are, then uh, maybe it's fine. Uh, because when, when it comes to these uh, sort of banking kind of infrastructure, uh, people uh, people's trust in the brand in the company uh, makes a lot of difference. And when the when the government is uh, sort of endorsing and backing these two top players, then it shouldn't be a huge problem. In that any like bank run of sorts on people's deposits, the government will say no, um, you know, we'll, we'll, end up, uh, we'll end up insuring this sort of thing. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, who's investing in these companies and why. Uh, so essentially all the top players uh, pick a side. Uh, 
So mobile side, uh, at the beginning, it was uh, uh, Panda Capital. It was Li Bin, who is the founder of uh, Weilai Automobile. And uh, uh, later on, they brought on uh, Sequoia Capital, uh, Sequoia, Sequoia China, and then uh, Warburg Pincus, and then uh, Tencent, and then uh, Temasek. Uh, so a lot of these top players, and Hill House Capital, which is also very big. Sure. Uh, on the uh, and also at the beginning, it was Li Kai Fu's Sino Sino work. Uh, and on the OFO side, it was uh, at first it was Jin Shajiang, uh, GSR Capital, and then. Uh, later on, they brought on Jin uh, uh, Fund, um, uh, Jingwei, and uh, and later on they have uh, they have Alibaba, uh, and mostly DD back in that trip. So what are, what are the sort of aside from the VCs who are just there to make a lot of money? What are the strategic interests of the um, you know the bats um, who are who are investing in these in these bike shares? DD uh, is the most uh, uh, this bike sharing thing is mostly in Didi's face, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Didi's uh, number of trips in Beijing has reduced uh, for trips that are less than five kilometers has reduced by almost 40% because of the introduction of bike sharing. That's remarkable. Yeah. That's really something else. Yeah. So people chose to ride a bike instead. Uh, and so they had to really, really control a company. And that's what they did. They, uh, they, they right now, I think they own almost 25% of OFO. And uh, because of that, they also have board seats and uh, they assigned. The funny thing is, uh, I, I previously mentioned Zhang Yanqi being the uh, CEO of OFO. Supposedly, he should be the head of all operations. Mm-hmm. But then DD, after they have uh, sort of uh, voting rights at, at OFO, they, they uh, moved over a vice president to become the executive president of OFO, mm-hmm. overseeing operations over the CEO of OFO, which is kind of funny. Sure. Uh, uh, but but recently, I think, uh, beginning of this month, uh, these three people did the assigned over uh, no longer works at OFO, which is like, uh, what happened there? Uh, and uh, on the other side, Tencent uh, has more or less the same power over Mobike, and uh, it's been a pretty happy marriage between the two companies, as in, uh, WeChat Mini program uh, was uh, became more and more popular, uh, and it was mutually beneficial for the two companies. Uh, also, the the payment methods uh, helps WeChat as well. Uh, more importantly, um, WeChat or Tencent wants to have have this. Uh, uh, sort of uh, called contextual uh, program and payment uh, behavior so that they can they can uh, gather more of these offline uh, uh, if you will sure um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your, your thoughts on a global expansion for these for these companies and and to what extent they're taking it seriously and what what challenges you expect them to to encounter along the way uh, so there are two reasons these companies are trying to go global. The first is having the ability to go global uh, increases the company's valuation two times probably. Uh, and 
uh, that's the biggest reason. And the second reason is the uh, market has already been saturated in China. Uh, it's already there's almost 200 cities that these companies have deployed their bikes in, and you really can't go further because if you go to a very small town, then bikes will get stolen and it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, further growth can only be uh, seen in international cities. Uh, but then uh, when you look at which, what are the cities that you can deploy these bikes, uh, uh, when, you, when you think about it, there are uh, a few cities that are good for it, but most of the cities are not so good for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good cities are uh, cities that already have a biking culture, uh, things like uh, cities like Amsterdam, uh, you know, but uh, a lot of the American cities are not so good for bike sharing. Sure. Because, uh, let's say in California, it's just too spread out. Hills. Ninety-one percent of all the trips are done by private vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, people really, really drive, right? And the cities are not designed for bikes, except for New York City. And so, and then uh, existing uh, bike sharing, uh, non-smart bike sharing kind of company like City Bike. They already uh, have uh, like the dominate uh, control over the market, and when you are trying to come in, like Blue Gogo did back in uh, June this year, uh, they went into San Francisco with had 500 bikes, and the city council was so angry, and they essentially banned all the newcomers from coming in. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting because you you really need an already halfway decent public transportation system because you know if you need to get ten miles to work, you're going to drive uh, regardless of whether or not there are bikes there. And while it may be a fun novelty, you're not going to be using it every day unless it really impacts your commute or how you get to school or how you visit your relatives or family. Um, so there aren't quite as many. Uh, places as you may may at first glance think um, that these companies can really expand to. The bigger challenge is mostly uh, talent and co- uh, corporate structure. Uh, as American companies fail to um, have see big success in China, Chinese companies have a harder time to do it. Um, mostly because uh, when uh, when these business leaders uh, they're inexperienced in American or European markets. Uh, when they're making a very, when they're making orders, uh, especially in these heavily uh, operation-heavy industry, uh, how can you set up a effective rules so that people don't embezzle money from you mm-hmm. and uh, and do a good job? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a real it's a real challenge. So let's talk about the merger rumors. Why it may or may not make sense, and what it would uh, what it would mean for the two firms and the uh, industry at large. Uh, so, when you look at uh, per trip gross income uh, right now, because of the competition, uh, each trip and en- ends up being uh, twenty cents RMB uh, for each company, essentially, which is so low that uh, they can't really survive. But then uh, let's do a little bit of imagination. If they do merge, uh, will the gross income come up to one RMB? I would argue it's still a no. Uh, it could probably, if the merger was successful and they really, really don't compete, the gross income can probably come up to eight, uh, 80 cents RMB and with a uh, bike turnover of uh, four to six rides per day per bike, 
then it kind of breaks even. Uh, but that's a very happy scenario for both companies, and I don't think that can happen. So my my understanding is even if the two companies merge, they're gonna run out of money. Mm. They're not going to get profitable. So the scenario that I see is uh, uh, Meituan uh, controlling Mobik and the Meituan being a um... uh, Meituan is the uh, Uber Eats of China, uh, and it's essentially Grubhub and Uber Eats and everything combined. So Meituan and Dianping is a very big company. Uh, they're valued at forty billion U.S. dollars right now, uh, and. Uh, uh, so they uh, also the CEO of Meituan, Wang Xing, was a early investor in Mobike, which makes them really close. And uh, Didi might uh, might then gain controlling interest in Ofo. So, so what would Meituan want with uh, want with Mobike? Uh, first, um, Meituan right now is trying to go into the ride sharing market, and in order to go into the ride sharing market. Uh, having a bike sharing company really helps. Uh, you have an enormous amount of people opening the app trying to go from point A to point B. And if you offer them very cheap ride sharing service, they might take it. That's the logic behind it. So it's sort of like an upsell? Like you, you think there's a bike, but maybe it's not too close or it's a little too cold. You're feeling lazy that day. Exactly. And then it says, hey, you know, we can get your car in three minutes. And so you end up, you know, taking that whatever 40% decline that Didi has seen in those short rides and bringing that down to 30 or 20%. Exactly. Um, and then being able to make money. So it's really, um, so your, your, your vision really then is the idea that the Mobike's value for these companies is just like as an app that people can open and maybe with some cool data that they can find about, you know, flow patterns around the city exactly. or what have you. So uh, Mobike's really the two biggest uh, areas that Mobike can be profitable. So like I said, Mobike by itself or even through a merger with Ofo can't be profitable. The only two ways that it can be profitable is one, going to the ride sharing market, and two, uh, tapping into the delivery market. <laughs> so that's what Meituan is doing, and that's what Meituan wants to do uh, in ride sharing. So can you, can you explain how the delivery market ties into bike sharing? So another thing that I didn't mention is uh, bike sharing uh, also reduced uh, food delivery market size, uh, because people, instead of choosing to order in, they with a bike in uh, their front door, they decide to go go and dine in those restaurants. Okay, <laughs> so that's actually a very weird uh, combination of people's mind, and they can they can choose either way. Yeah, uh, and so uh, with with the bikes available, uh, people's range uh, in their neighborhood increased from probably less than a mile to more, over two miles, uh, and that's when mobile can. Um, can uh, basically intercept some of the uh, delivery market or delivery traffic to deploy these people to uh, discounted local restaurants. So basically, this is very funny. So the idea is that the only way Mobike and Ofo can make money is sort of by going against their central um, uh, mission to get people biking more. So you open the app and like, Instead of actually biking, you decide 
to not bike. No, no, um, no. You, oh yeah, you decide to not bike instead of, uh, and then you ride a, a, a Uber. Yeah. Actually. Or you decide to not bike and just get or, food no, delivery. No, no, you you decide to bike, but instead of ordering food delivery, you bike over to the restaurant and dine in. Oh, okay. So so the so the MoBike app then functions as like a a a, a funnel for the nearby restaurants exactly. that the restaurants can then advertise on the app saying. You know, here's a bike. We can reserve it for you. It'll be there. We promise. And then you'll be able to use it、um, to get to our place. And you know, we have a five percent discount for anyone who shows up with their own mobike or something. Exactly. Okay. All right. I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd invest in that. I like that. I like that. That's like、uh, you know, still 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 with the with the good vibes, I guess. So that's why Meituan is a very good candidate for acquiring or controlling interest、uh, in mobike. And apparently, Didi has already controlled Ofo, and、uh, they have a board seat, and they are gonna block、uh, Mobike from merging with Ofo because if they do merge, Didi loses the controlling interest in both of these bike sharing companies. So、oh, they、sure. can't afford to, to have that. So, so what else is is the world missing when it comes to、uh, dynamics in 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 this、oh, space? It's it's funny is how all the PR is going, and so many like weird PR articles are coming out.、Uh, first, they say、uh, Ofo leadership is embezzling money, and、uh, they're they're saying that、uh, they're very luxurious, they fly on first class, and uh, uh, and then buy fancy apartments and. And also,、um, they're saying Ofo's、uh, blowing their deposit so that they only have three million, three hundred million left. Yeah. And money is all gone until you have to withdraw the deposit. But where does this news come from? It's really funny when you think about it. Who writes these articles? Yeah. The media, sure. But who is pushing for the media to write these articles? Mobike, no, because Mobike don't want people to withdraw their deposits either.、Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and wh- who else is doing this? Apparently, is the early investor, early investors. <laughs> All right, Te- tease out this、uh, emo. Emo, yeah, yeah. Let's get the let's get the emo. Let's get the emo. Let's get the full.、Uh, let's play it out. Let's play it out in full for us. Okay, so 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 why so why are the early investors in your、uh, in your in my、uh, tinfoil hat in your tinfoil hat <laughs> of、uh, the ones who are who are trying to、uh, um, you know push these negative stories about these companies? Early investors really want to see、uh, these companies to merge, but later investors, including Didi, don't. And uh, um, these companies by themselves don't really want to merge either, and so. Uh, these companies are trying to hang on and raise more money、uh, from new investors, but early investors are like, we want we want out, we want these companies to merge and go public, or uh, or or really turn a profit,、uh, but but they can't do it. They can't. They they no longer have controlling interest in the company. So what they do is they push negative stories, <laughs> and these stories makes no sense for either side or for later investors or for. The general public, but、uh, only the only benefits are investors like Zhu Xiaohu. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's、um, uh, let's let's see if that turns out to be the case. Any other、uh, any other crackpot theories on this、uh, on this world? <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> okay, great. Well,、um, uh, I think we've definitely gotten our uh, our. Uh, 
uh, our money's worth here. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your new project and uh, you know what the uh, initial um, gap was in the market that your your new app is trying to trying to fill. Uh, what really is happening today on the app market is people no longer download new apps. So for last year, people downloaded uh, uh, when you subtract uh, uninstalls, uh, people installed less than one app uh, per person. Uh, in the in annually. Annually. Wow. Yeah. That's so, something so else. The, so the net increase of apps is definitely slowing down. So. Uh, how can we, uh, but apparently on the other side, on the content provider side, more and more developers are pushing new contents on the app store. So there's a imbalance here, right? These new developers, especially game developers, find a very hard time pushing their app, uh, to their games to, uh, to app users, right? So what they do is they pay a large amount of money to uh, channels to distributors like Tencent, like Facebook, right? Uh, so I see a huge gap here. And the reason why people don't download new apps and people don't install new apps is because it's a hassle. Uh, it, uh, you have to uh, wait for a while for it to download and uh, after you do install it, it, it keeps pushing you notifications of weird stuff and uh, you end up don't like the game and you delete it. Right? Yeah, particularly with these these Chinese apps, um, these Chinese gaming apps that are growing in sophistication. I mean, Wanderung Yao, what is a you know? I've I've downloaded games that are over a gig, um, yeah. and on the one hand, it's fantastic because the amount of content and complexity that these Chinese games, like the Chirji knockoffs, the Player Battlegrounds knockoffs, are unbelievable. Um, Wanderung Yao, Kings of Glory, which is going to be launching in the U.S at some point they said september maybe now in february um is is really a level of sophistication above what's on american app stores but at the same time um these programs are a lot larger and if you're hitting up against your you know your gigabyte ceiling um having to clear 500 megabytes uh to just to download an app you're not even you haven't ever used before is a real hassle and must be a real challenge for challenge for these developers Another side is videos. Uh, with with more and more uh, understanding of uh, intellectual property, people can no longer, or uh, content providers can no longer uh, just pirate stuff. Uh, and in order to uh, watch most of the videos on Chinese internet today, you have to download uh, essentially ten different video watching apps like Tencent Video. Uh, ITE video, etc. Yeah, it's a much less consolidated market within the U.S. with basically Uber, Netflix, and Netflix I mean, uh, YouTube, Netflix, and like maybe Hulu if you're yeah. adventurous. Yeah, but uh, so that's another problem that I see. So what I did is we created this uh, app called Meta App, and it morphs, in, morphs into any app pages. So you no longer need to download the entire app package. Instead, you uh, open the, let's say you want a video, you are, you're gonna watch uh, like a movie today. And so uh, this movie is only available on ITE. So I opened the ITE native video playing page for you without you downloading ITE. And if you want to play a game, uh, you want to play the first few uh, minutes of the game, I, I uh, stream down the first few minutes instead of you downloading the entire game. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I'm doing right now. So essentially, WeChat Mini program is a uh, fast uh, like 
uh, in in time kind of uh, streaming of uh, tools I, I would see and uh, it gives you mini tools uh, just in time uh, what I'm doing is I give you entertainment content just in time sure no I mean what the the, the WeChat mini apps I find frustrating because they are so limited um, but having to have this getting getting the solution of the full feature um, could uh, could be really interesting and, and look at you maybe end up saving saving Mobike's butt from out of um, out of the uh, uh, f- from outside by by giving the power back to these uh, these actual independent companies who are trying to not have to uh, live and die through uh, the ten cent the ten cent ecosystem. So, what have been the um, the challenges you face so far, and what are you uh, and how are you hoping to to publicize this? Or what's the next step for the app? Uh, next step for the app is uh, we are still in the process of uh, polishing and figuring figuring out the best uh, uh, product so that we have product market fit. Uh, so um, before that, we don't want to spend any money on um, on acquiring users. We want to make sure that it's good before we start expanding. Sure. Well, I'm looking forward to not having to download games or videos ever again. Um, Max, this was such a pleasure. Where can uh, where can folks find you? Uh, people can find me on uh, maxwelljoe.com or on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Looking forward to, to having you on again. And thanks so much for, uh, for speaking openly. It's always fun to talk to the ex-employees and the ex-diplomats and the ex-officials because then you get the good, then you get the good stuff.